Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today I'm on with Aliza Goldgewert. Aliza, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks so much, Alex, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, so as you mentioned, my name is Aliza Goldgewert. I am the head of Corporate Good, uh, which is a recruiting firm that focuses on analytics and data roles. Um, and, you know, obviously this is a very relevant group and audience for who we work with on a day-to-day -day basis. Tell us more about um, your audience that, that you just mentioned. Uh, so, you know, primarily we work with, uh, we work with uh, companies that are building out or filling uh, one-off roles in uh, that are either analytic and analytical in nature or uh, data focused. Um, and so we work very closely with uh, whatever, whoever the relevant hiring manager is. And then obviously by extension, work very closely with whomever uh, is appropriate to fill the role. Um, and it's really an honor um, and pleasure to get to be on sort of both sides of that conversation and really get to uh, be the person who makes that pairing. You're connecting roles, people, and companies that need those roles. How have you seen the demand in the marketing and analytics or analytics and data space change over the last few years? So, you know, obviously, especially in the tech space, uh, the economy has given a lot of people a uh, pause for thought on both sides of that conversation. I think. Uh, I think companies are, while they are still hiring, I think they're being uh, perhaps a bit more uh, thoughtful in who they bring on and making sure that they are bringing on people that they can commit to long term, which I think we would all agree is a is a good thing to make sure that everyone's in this for you know a long term relationship. Um, and I think on the side of those who are switching roles, um, what I've started to notice lately is that. People are also really taking a moment and reflecting and deciding whether roles are the right fit for them um, and realizing that it's important to have that thought as well. Mm -hmm. So what makes an employee a good long-term employee? A good long-term employee is someone who is passionate about all of the aspects of a role. Um, and the aspects start at the sort of the macro level, which is what is the business of the company. Um, and everyone has their own personal passions. And then the next level of that passion is what is the scope of the role? What is the day-to-day -day of what one will be doing in that role? And then finally, um, is this a person who will, you know, is is going to work well with the others on their team and sees this opportunity as an opportunity for personal growth and personal growth comes at all levels. Um, and that's really what makes someone stay in a role. That's, you know, also what makes a company want to commit to keeping someone in a role. What would you say are some of the more in-demand skills that people can build in the analytics and data sectors? So I, I don't want to anchor to, you know, a specific, you know, this is the skill 
you should be building because some of that, of course, is, you know, very company specific. And a lot of that has to do with, um, has to do with, you know, investments that companies have made or um, other partners that companies may work with and what their infrastructure looks like. Um, but maybe taking a step back, and especially for individuals who are perhaps early to mid-career, um, I think the important thing is to take the time and say, you know, if there is a skill that you are starting to notice, um, you know, the jobs that you're considering for your the next step in your career journey, um, to take the time rather than putting the onus on your next employer uh, to give you your first exposure. Um, there are so many opportunities out there to at least dip your toe in that technical sphere, whether um, whether it's an online course, whether it's just dabbling independently, you know, whatever your learning style is, I think it's important as a signal to future employers to to take that initiative yourself. That makes sense. So you would recommend like a GitHub or something like that? I think it's always valuable. You know, let's let's take a really simple example. Um, let's say there's, you know, there's someone who is in, they're currently in a business intelligence or analytics role, and the current company that they're in is not, you know, the role that they have, they don't need to use a lot of um, a lot of SQL or a lot of Python, or they don't need to um, use, you know, build their own reports. Um, I think using a platform like GitHub or Tableau Public or whatever the relevant platform is to, to highlight both what you can do, but perhaps equally importantly, and this goes back to you had asked me, what makes a long-term employee, um, the fact that you are using your time to independently sort of embrace those skills. And I think it signals to, it signals to recruiters like myself and it signals to hiring managers and companies that you are embracing this role and everything that it entails. Are you looking for a different set of skills when it comes to a data person versus at an agency? Okay. So what is actually probably, it's not necessarily a different set of skills. It might be a different uh, appetite for the type of role or the type of interactions. So, you know, you're asking about technical skills. Um, and I think often people go from companies to agencies and from agencies to companies. Um, but a lot of what drives that transition is when you're in an agency, you are your company's mission, so to speak. Um, and this goes back to, you know, all circles back to what makes someone a good long-term employee. So when you're at an agency, your company's mission, so to speak, is to delight the client. And there may be, you know, a narrow definition of who that client is, and there may be a narrow definition of you know what types of projects you do with that client but at the end of the day you are in a client driven organization and often that individual as they move up in the role 
need to also take on client management and being comfortable in those types of presentations. Um, whereas internally in a company, it may be a different structure. The company's mission is, you know, going to be we develop, you know, widgets, you know, and this is what we do. And the mission of the organization is surrounded by that organization. And, you know, presumably the employee who works there feels passionate about that mission. Um, and then the types of roles as you move up in that company might look a bit different. You know, you're dealing with more internal structures and the and sort of in, in, you know, internally goals and motivations sometimes just look different. So you wouldn't say there's any sort of a skill difference between... As far as tech stack or, um, or mathematical ability or statistical ability or any of those categories, I would say um, they really are, you know, identical. Yeah, it's because it's very much like like a science. Like you're, you're, it's almost like you're hiring for a scientific field. Like they have, they all have to be familiar with stats and and SQL and and various. I, I guess could you run us through some of the basic technical skills that anybody in data and analytics should have? Um, so if we're talking about data analytics, and we're gonna, I assume you want to take data science out of this conversation because that's sort of running that in a different road. Um, so if we're just running down the list of skills that you know someone in analytics uh, is developing, SQL is huge. Um, and more and more that's becoming a must have, not a nice to have. Um, I would say, you know, experience with some sort of business intelligence platform. And I don't think it needs to be a specific one. Um, I think, you know, we're seeing different industries investing in different platforms, but someone who really has robust experience um, really should be able to transition from one to the other or, you know, in-house proprietary platforms. Um, it's all fine. That's much more about being able to tell a story um, using reporting and dashboarding and visualizations. Um, so that's obviously, um, I think then you get into, um, some skills that, um, are the nice to have Python R. um, I would say those are the nice to have. Um, I would say, you know, getting into, uh, A-B testing is, or regression analysis, you know, that becomes, again, it becomes an, a role specific, which one is relevant for this role. Um, and so that a little bit come, becomes, as you move up in your career, you might become a bit more industry focused. Um, and, and the one that becomes more dominant is going to be dictated by that. In addition to analytics and data, do you hire for any other sorts of roles or any other specialties? You know, analytics is, you know, obviously one data extends into, you know, machine learning, AI, that category. Um, but I do find that it's more effective to stay, uh, to stay somewhat focused. I think it means that you can have a more effective relationship with a hiring manager and understanding their goals for the role. And I think that when you're talking to candidates, you can have a more in-depth conversation because you'll, you, you've acquired an expertise from what they're doing. And even it's not something that you yourself can do, 
you'll have a greater understanding of their experiences thus far and, and what they're hoping to accomplish in their next role. Can you tell us about more about your role as a recruiter and what the day-to-day actually looks like for you? I walk you, I can walk you through. I just uh, started a search for a dual role about a week and a half ago, really right before Labor Day weekend. You know, I can talk you through how that kickoff, what a kickoff looks like and, you know, what the beginning steps are. And maybe that'll give you a little bit of insight and sort of talk you through ideally what, what direction that will take from there. So, you know, it obviously starts with, you know, uh, so in this case, it's it's a company that I've worked with many times before. Um, so the preliminary introductions didn't need to happen. Um, but, you know, the company, you know, in this case, sent me a text with a follow-up email uh, with a job description. And then I set up some time to speak with the hiring manager. Um, in this case, um, although I had filled roles for this company before, uh, this specific role um, had a lot of differentiators from the standard role for this company. So it was important to sit down with the hiring manager and understand where this hire fit in in the structure of the team, um, as well as you know what you know what the long term runway looks like for this person because that's something that candidates want to know. Um, and also the nuance in the skill set. You know, you sort of circled back to, you started off asking me about skill sets uh, for different roles. And this is a great example. This is a company where, you know, they have historically had one, you know, skill set at a certain level. And in reviewing the job description, there were definitely some things that had not been in there prior. And it was motivated by what this person will in fact be focused on. Um, so that was the next step. Um, and in this case, um, I then took some time, you know, took a day or two to do a bit of industry research. And what industry research looks like is understanding who out there is doing similar things. Um, and that means, you know, what companies are doing similar things, you know, and sometimes there are trade organizations that discuss it. Uh, you know, I, it could involve me reaching out to other contacts of mine and saying, you know, hey, I'm working on this role for this company. Can I just, you know, pick your brain a bit about, you know, about some thoughts I've had about where best to find someone that might fit this role? Um, so that's, you know, that is um, the next step. Um, and then obviously, I have an internal database of individuals I have spoken with in the past. Um, so obviously the first thing I would do, you know, once I have a sense of who I'm looking for and what type of industry and what type of previous experience might well suit this role, you know, seeing if there's someone that, you know, in going through my notes um, might actually fit the bill um, and then after that, um, because just because I've spoken with someone doesn't mean, you know, I could speak to have spoken with someone a month ago. And at that point in their life, it was a good time to be making a transition to a new role. But life happens for everyone and they may have moved on to a new role. There may have been external considerations in their life that make it not a great time anymore. Um, so then it becomes, you know, reaching out to the broader world and seeing 
um, the term that's often used is passive candidates. And what a passive candidate means is someone who, um, who, you know, may not be, you know, reaching out to me for a role, but may, based on sort of the criteria I've defined, really nicely fit what this what this client is looking for. Um, and then I reach out to the person um, and say, hey, you know, if I were reaching out to you, I'd say, hey, Alex, um, you know, I'm working on this role for, you know, company XYZ. Um, I noticed that you have experience in A, B, and C, um, which really aligns well with this company's looking for. Do you want to chat? Um, and that's that's really the next step. And then, you know, ideally, um, I have a number, you know, a lengthy conversation with that person. And I think the lengthy conversation is important um, because it gives both me and that other person time to get to know each other. Um, and they understand everything about the role, and I understand everything about both their experiences and what they're looking for and making sure it's well aligned there. Um, and then I have a chat with the hiring manager and say, hey, I just spoke with this person, um, and I think they're a great fit, and then it goes from there. So that's it's very much a matchmaking process. It is. I, I had... Um, Someone that I placed with placed maybe I'm going to say it was maybe a month ago uh, that maybe a month ago sort of was was teasing me and sort of a a a good natured ribbing that it is sort of a a bit of a matchmaking service, mm -hmm. um, and a good a good placement is exactly that. Um, it's it it is a match. It's a match between the individual and the company, it's matched between the hiring manager and the team and a person. And it's, it's people um, that you're dealing with, you know, people with professional goals, uh, but also people with lives outside those professional goals and, and everything needs to line up properly. So how do you reach out? How do you find leads for people to reach out to and then also for companies? The answer is sort of the same for both. Um, and, you know, obviously there is the word of mouth referral machine is obviously a very powerful one. You know, it's always, you know, an honor when, you know, someone I've worked with in the past, either on the hiring manager side or the candidate side, um, tells, you know, tells a friend, um, you know, or a colleague or, or something in that vein. Um, you know, hey, you should definitely speak with Elisa. Um, you know, I, you know, I worked with her, you know, she helped me find this job or she helped me find this person for my team. So that's obviously a very powerful source on both sides. Um, and then, you know, for myself, um, I find most effective, a lot of it is also just good old fashioned networking, um, going to trade events and, you know, meeting other professionals um, in, in spaces. And that again, you know, you meet both individuals who could be great for a role, even if it's not a role you're working on today, you know, you keep in touch with that person because who knows a year from now, I could be working on a role that is very interesting to them and very well suited to their experiences. Um, and then on the other side, which is the, the company, the client side, um, it's the same thing. Um, 
you meet someone and you have a friendly conversation and it's a sharing of ideas. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people are looking for support in something today. And sometimes, you know, you keep in touch and you don't know, it could be two years down the line, you get a message from someone and say, hey, um, my team is expanding and, you know, I could really use, you know, I'd really appreciate if we could chat about such and such. So those are sort of the um, sort of the more highbrow uh, answers. Um, and then, you know, social media is a powerful thing for all of us. Um, you know, I, it, sometimes it's just a good old fashioned, you know, I have decided that individuals at company XYZ have experiences that are well aligned with the company I'm working with. And you know, you work through their org chart and find the people who have those similar experiences and you reach out to them. And sometimes people say, you know what, I have been thinking it's time for a change. I'd love to chat and learn more. Mm. Okay. And, and how are you finding their org chart? Are you just looking on LinkedIn? Um, it depends. Um, LinkedIn is very helpful. Um, and it's not necessarily an org chart that was filed somewhere. Um, you know, I'm saying org chart in a broader sense. You know, it could be um, that you figure out, oh, you know, and you know, I keep saying company XYZ did not specifically, you know, identify any specific company. But, um, you know, it could be that you figure out, um, you know, company XYZ um, has a chief analytics officer who, you know, is named Bob. And then you look at, you know, what Bob's involved in and Bob talks about, you know, something that his or her team was involved in. And then you realize that, you know, Kathy uh, is, you know, is on, is on Bob's team and you sort of work your way through that way. So it's not necessarily, you know, I'm not finding a, you know, flow chart, chart or org chart. It's more, you know, putting together the pieces of the puzzle. How long have you been doing this for? That's an interesting question. I think we're going on probably about, I think five years, maybe four years. Nice. What did you do before recruiting? Um, so I have a very varied background myself, which I think actually is part of why I slide into this role very well. Uh, so I actually, after college, started in a very analytical sort of space myself. Um, and um, then, you know, went back to business school um, and had um, a variety of um, roles post-business school. Um, and then with time, I realized that the thing that had always driven me to the analytical space was the people in it and what they were trying to accomplish. Um, and that sort of brought me, it, that, that is the short version of the story of what brought me to this role. Mm -hmm. And what it, what is it that, that unites data people? Um, I think data people are, as a general rule, uh, data people are very genuine. Uh, they're very analytical, obviously. Uh, they're very methodical. Um, and data people want to get to the truth. Uh, data, 
data is truth. Data is answers to questions and they're inquisitive and sincere. Um, and, and that is a group of people that I enjoy dealing with day in and day out. If I'm looking to make a switch to a new mm -hmm. role, how do I find you, for instance, or, or I guess any recruiter, how, how, what do you recommend that the employee does? What do I recommend the employee does? Um, I am going to say that, first of all, I recommend the employee do some of what I said I do. Um, there is a world of um, trade associations, trade groups, uh, trade events, trade meetups, and they are as broad as we all deal with numbers to as super specific as we all deal with marketing analytics. Um, and so, you know, taking the time to show up to those events and broadening your personal network always helps. Um, so, you know, and that, first of all, you never know who you may meet. You may meet someone who they themselves are, you know, building out their team. You may meet someone who knows that their team is building out, or you may meet someone like me um, who, so I would say that is something that is available to most people, um, either online or in person these days. Um, and I would say that having informational conversations is the most important thing you can do. Um, conversations that functionally don't sound so different than the conversation you and I are having right now. Um, you reach out to a person, and I'm not saying this is how uh, our conversation happened, but um, you know, reach out to a person whose career you admire or who you think is maybe in a role one or two levels above what you would like your next role to be and reach out to them and say, you know, hi, my name is Aliza. Um, I see that you work for this company and you are involved in this, that, and the other. And I would love it if we could speak for 15 minutes and I could just ask you a few questions. Um, and I think those conversations are very important um, because first of all, again, it's anytime you're broadening your network is valuable, um, but also it helps. It means that when you do finally meet either someone like me or someone who's hiring for their team, it means that you have really, really crafted your own uh, personal pitch and you've really put thought into what you want that next step to be. And it means when you have that conversation, you're going to be just that much more impactful. Thank you. And where would you recommend uh, somebody find a place to network? So do you go, and, and I mean like Eventbrite, meetups, what actual service do you recommend? Because I sometimes go on meetups and it just looks kind of like very boilerplate basic stuff. And I feel like there must be cooler networking events going on, but I just don't know where to find them. So I think this is again, so the registration is, for these events is often happening through Eventbrite, through Meetup, 
through platforms like that, um, and they're just using them as a as a registration tool because that's what they are. Um, but as far as finding out about them, um, I think this is again for let's take someone like yourself um, figuring out who perhaps uh, there are individuals who are sort of trying to craft themselves as influencers in this space and follow them on LinkedIn. And sometimes they will say, I'll be at, you know, such and such an event, um, hope to see you there. Um, and that is a great way to find out about, you know, events that are on Meetup and events on, that are on Eventbrite, um, or maybe not, maybe it's an event that they're just, you know, sending out a Google sheet and saying, hey, hope to see you there. Or, you know, saying, um, you know, company such and such is sponsoring a speaker, you know, hope you can join us. Um, so, but it, it's a great way to sort of figure out, you know, who's in that space, um, get to meet some people, hear a bit about, about what's going on, what's cutting edge and, and what's next. Do you have anybody that you follow in the, the analytics or data uh, industry that you would recommend others follow as well? You, Alex. I follow you. That's Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I was thinking that the whole time. I have to post if I'm going to a networking event, and that would be so fun. So I'm going to do that in Chicago. But, but but that's okay. But that's, you know, I say that jokingly, but that's a great example. You know, you have, you know, a following because of your podcast. Um, there may be people who are just following you on social media because of your podcast. And, you know, if you simply say, hey, I'll be at this meetup on, you know, September 23rd at 6 p.m. Hope to see you there. Um, that's how these things get started. Nice. Okay, cool. I'm gonna do it. Thank you for the okay. you know, here's my last here's my last question because sure. I'm sure you get this all the time. How do how do you negotiate when you're in your first couple of roles? You know, you had asked me a question about what you know drives salary. Um, and I think it's important, hopefully, by the time you get to the end zone, uh, you have forged a good relationship with um, whomever your contact person is, whether it's a recruiter, whether it's someone internally in the company, um, and you have forged a good relationship and you've had those candid conversations already. Um, and if you haven't had those candid conversations, you should. Um, so that by the time you get to that offer point, there really shouldn't be any surprises. And, you know, there should have been transparency on both sides. Uh, the company uh, should be transparent with you about what they're able to offer. And you should be transparent with the company upfront about what uh, you can comfortably accept. Um, now, if what you can comfortably accept um, is a broad range, um, then that, you know, may change things. If what the company can offer is a broad range, then obviously that's going to change things a bit. Um, but I would say your greatest tool is transparency. Um, often, you know, companies have, they may have some uh, negotiating room, 
um, within a band, they may have benefits are much harder to negotiate because those are set company-wide and that now you're dealing with corporate policies. Um, but as far as salary, signing bonus, performing bonus, uh, equity components, um, those are things that there may be a bit of wiggle room, um, but no one, no one likes surprises um, unless it's a surprise birthday party. Um, but this is not, this is not someone where people like surprises. So I would say your best position is as you go through the conversations, being transparent with whomever your point person is, not necessarily the hiring manager, um, because you don't want to muddy those conversations um, with with the numbers. Um, those should really just be more about the work and, and the culture. Um, but with whomever your point person is, I would say your best strategy is to make sure you're continuing to have those conversations throughout the process. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, thank you, Aliza. This has been such a great conversation. It's been my pleasure, Alex. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon.